0: In a world where power is often interpreted as the ability to exert physical and political influence over one's enemies, it is important not to ignore a very different sort of battle space, the fight over perceptions and the struggle to influence ideas. In this arena, narratives can be as powerful as physical force, but where physical force is often a tangible battle, narratives are an intangible one. False narratives are running rampant. Divisiveness is growing, tempers are flaring, as a stress-induced fog has clouded our sight. This is a time where we are all vulnerable to embracing stories based on our own emotions and fears, that confirm our beliefs and rationalize our behavior rather than clear-headed analysis. In this episode of Keep It 100, we will talk about the narratives battling for your allegiance and the timeless story which can unshackle us. Welcome to Keep It 100 Podcast with Sean and Krista Smith. Join us in this space where we take on real issues with real insight, your real inspiration. This podcast is for those not looking for temporary relief to change circumstance, but revelation to forever change lives.
1: Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Keep It One Hundred with Sean and Krista Smith.
0: We're so excited to be with everybody.
1: Come on, I'm looking forward to this episode because it's such an important topic. But before we jump into that, I want to talk about some incredible ministry trips that we've been a part of. And we have just been seeing God move in twenty twenty two. Let's talk about North Central.
0: We were at North Central University in Minneapolis. I won't even tell you how cold it was. (laughs) I'll just tell you that my bottled water was frozen ice the next morning when I got it. But there was fire inside of the Ooh. university. Krista, you spoke the first chapel service into ladies. And I'll just say that it was so powerful. Mm-hmm. These you, university students hit the altar, laid on their face. Worship went way beyond the time limits of when they were supposed to go back. We just can say fire is falling amongst university it's students. It's super excited to see what God is doing amongst Gen Z.
1: It's really true. And what I love is there was such a fire and a zeal for the presence of God. And there was just a freedom with all these amazing students. I really loved being with them. They they were such a special group. God is really doing a work at North Central University. It's led by uh, President Scott Hagen, and he's just really created such an incredible culture of encounter at that university. And then Karen Hagen has a passion for young women and, and really all kids for that matter, but she really went after just calling women together. And we just had a really sweet time in the presence of God. But I just saw girls get activated in their identity in Christ. And that to me was everything.
0: And then I did a back-to-back. Krista, I was in uh, Florida, Jacksonville, Florida specifically, and I was invited to the Pentecostal Charismatic Churches of North America. And so basically all of the heads of all the major denominations, whether that was Assemblies of God, Four Square, Open Bible, uh, Church of God, uh, many of these leaders all gathered together. And uh, I was invited to come in and sit on a panel as to how to help equip churches in the area of evangelism. And it's so cool to hear everyone just feel that it's such a time of ripeness right now and that we've got to cast our net and And so we're planning for a big event in Chicago Uh, later on. I think it's going to be next year. You guys, it's going to be amazing. So you got to be looking for that. And then I went from there to this conference uh, in Life Center in Harrisburg, uh, Pennsylvania with with some great friends of ours, Sammy Rodriguez, Bob Hazlett, Andy Bird, And we were tremendous pastors there. Charles and Ann Stock, they are amazing. And it was just powerful.
1: And while you were at Life Center, I had the privilege at Sunrise Church in Everett, Washington. Awesome church led by John and Grace Hammer, who are just doing an incredible job, really making an impact in the Pacific Northwest, which I'm passionate about because I'm a Pacific Northwest girl in my roots. And so I'm passionate about the Northwest having a move of God. And I was with some incredible women for a women's conference Friday and Saturday. I saw healings. I saw activation of women. There really was double digits, miracles, legit miracles in women's backs being fully and completely healed. There was many of the women that literally had chronic conditions, years of issues with their back. There was one girl in particular, she wasn't even able to lay down flat. And she literally got on the platform laid down flat and did something Come she couldn't on. do. It was amazing. And then just really saw uh, just a hunger and a zeal released in the house. And then I brought a prophetic word uh, really to the house on Sunday morning and just saw them really receive it and just partner with it. So it was an amazing weekend. And we were away from each other more a little more than usual this past week. So we reunited on Sunday night, which is always my favorite thing.
0: Yeah, we both convened. We both flew in. you were a little bit later than me. Yeah. But that's as long as we've been away, since I went to Israel. I
1: know. So, hey,
0: we don't want to make that too much Come of a on. Amen uh, to that. habit. We want to stay together, <laughs> y'all. That's Come right. On. That's right. Two are better than one. Hey, Keep It 100 Tribe, you know, in a widely circulated YouTube video, it came a while back, I think it was a couple of years, University of Washington students struggled to deny that a five foot nine inch white man's assertion that he was a six foot five Chinese woman. Now get this, right? So here's students, and here's a five foot nine inch white man trying to tell everyone no, he is a six foot five Chinese woman and the students struggled to deny him that. And I thought, how could they? Somehow rationality and objectivity have given way to modern narratives and quote unquote alternative facts. So now we've got this term called alternative facts. Rather than the facts being truth, someone else can introduce alternative facts, which really leads us to introduce the topic we're going to be hitting for the next several weeks. We call this caught up in the narrative. Bad ideas have victims. Let me tell you a story of a bad idea. I'm when I was a kid, I had some Filipino neighbors love these dudes. And somehow I got somehow coerced into going to the store with them and I ended up stealing something. And at first it was a good idea to see if I could get away with it. But when I had got caught and I was arrested and taken down to a urine-smelled juvenile hall jail cell, oh. I realized that bad ideas have victims. It seemed like a good idea when all the guys, there were three brothers, uh, Edgar, Samson, and Steve, and they were cheering me on to go do this, but when I did it and I got caught and they did it, it was a bad idea. And I thought, you know what? In retrospect, I got caught up in the narrative and bad ideas have victims.
1: And you know that statement of alternative facts? It's a bit of an oxymoron, isn't it? Either it's a fact or it's not. There's not an alternative to truth. One author put it this way, so well said. He wrote, our world has more and more information, but less and less wisdom. More data, less clarity. More stimulation, less synthesis. More distraction, less stillness. More pontification, Hating, less pondering, more opinion, less research, more speaking, less listening, more to look at, less to see, more amusements, less joy. There is more, but we are less and we all feel it. Wow,
0: that is like three snaps,
1: Oh my! run
0: around, set your hair on fire. Isn't that true? That is a true commentary on our
1: generation. 100%. And when I read that, I literally agree and think, I feel that, I see that. And I feel like it captures everything we're silently feeling, but he articulates it in a way where he captures truly the source of really the issue in which we're talking about today.
0: It is very accurate. You know, this reminds me of a couple of Christmases ago, like in the middle of the whole COVID quarantine, our whole family got together, uh, a majority of them anyway. And uh, we watched Wonder Woman 1984. And if you guys listen to our podcast, you know I'm a bit of a superhero fan. Okay, <laughs> just saying. Uh, but it's interesting, Wonder Woman 1984, the movie opens with this flashback to Diana as a little girl, Themyscira. Era. She's competing in this kind of like Amazon version of the Olympic Games, and so the Amazonian general Antiope. She says to a young Diana, who actually, if you saw the movie, she tried to win an athletic competition by cheating certain extent. She had fallen off a horse, and she kind of was going to shortcut the track. But the truth Antiope teaches her earlier in the film was so powerful, and this truth is essential. I want you guys to hear this. Keep it 100 tribe. Antiope tells young Diana, "If you don't have the truth, you have nothing." And quote, "No." true hero is born from lies. And I just think about that this generation is being called to be a heroic generation. There's a Come reason on. why you're drawn to hero movies because it resonates to the DNA you carry. But the bottom line is no true hero is born from lies. So what does the enemy got to do but fill us with false narratives so that he hopes that he could somehow kind of block the birthing of a heroic generation. And I feel like Wonder Woman 1984, really, if you you watched it, it's a tribute to the power truth has to change and ultimately to save the world. If you saw the entire movie uh, because Dinah looks at the audience dead in the eye and says you can't have it all you can only have the truth but the truth is enough and it is beautiful end of quote so what is she saying nothing good is born from lies whether we lie to ourselves or to others we need to have heaven's narrative the truth released in our lives
1: that is so good I mean how many sermon illustrations have we pulled from Wonder Woman (laughs) for real I mean it's such a powerful example of really the power of truth and the necessity of truth. As you know, Keep It 100, we have titled this episode, Caught in the Narrative, Bad Ideas Have Victims. We have to define really what is narrative. A narrative is a spoken or a written account of connected events. It's a story. So a narrative is a term that pops up everywhere, not only in the relation to film and literature, but also in news stories and college curriculums to describe style of podcasts, even to specify a form of psychotherapy. But really, what is the narrative. And why is the term used so often to describe so many seemingly unrelated subjects? It's because our lives are made up with stories. Facts. We are a people of the story. We love stories. We're raised with stories. And when something happens to us, we turn it into a story. So true, Right? We're always like, hey, I got a story for that. Right? But stories are more than just a tale. They're actually narratives. Our lives are based on the narratives that we create, that we come to, the conclusions that we believe. And narratives. narratives. Narratives help explain our world, how we are to live, and what our lives are actually all about. They guide and they direct our thoughts, beliefs, attitude, words, and actions, and sometimes even without us even knowing, we have bought into a narrative.
0: That what you're saying really holds true in this level too, because God has a story and He's interweaving our destinies in this great storyline of heaven, and this storyline is calling us higher. Particularly in this season, I believe that we're being called to a higher narrative.
1: leads us to our Hundo P section, which I want to ask you a question, baby. And the question is this, why are we drawn to narratives?
0: That is a great question. Uh, why are we drawn to narratives? I think one of the reasons why we're drawn to narratives, unfortunately, is some people are drawn to narratives because narratives serve them or they serve us. And as a people, I think we're so self-oriented that human beings have been tempted to prefer convenient narratives over inconvenient reality.
1: Ooh. say that again. Let me
0: say it again. Mm. I think many times human beings, we've been tempted to prefer convenient narratives over inconvenient reality, and we need truth. And we're tempted to prize narratives over reality for another. More basic reason is that we're self-centered. We like narratives because we can control them. We prefer narratives because it feels good to be right, even if reality can indicate we're wrong. And because we like how narratives make us feel, they can confirm our biases. They can pat us on the back for our supposed rightness of our view. And think about it. Narrative-driven news sells. Algorithms feed more of what we want to believe and make us more addicted to social media. And many of us just want our opinions coming out of someone else's mouth. I mean, even as we speak right now, obviously the Russian czar at this point, uh, Putin, he has obviously sold himself and his people a narrative of just rushing at this point in time into uh, Ukraine and, and doing things to civilians is okay, but he's spun a narrative, but you think about it, why does he want that narrative? Because it serves his purpose, whatever that thing is. I don't know what it is, but he has this narrative and he is trying to keep it going. And so I think it's somehow true of us. Many times we're like that. So let me throw that question back at you, Boo. Why do you think we are drawn to narratives?
1: You know, I would really say, because I think a lot of us, we're just too overwhelmed. Bottom line, narratives are actually just easier. In a world that's glutted with information, we have far too many articles. Studies, statistics, opinions, and quote unquote experts recommending things, you know, for us to sort through, really getting to the heart of reality is actually hard because there's a constant barrage of other people's narratives, other people's opinions, and a lot of propaganda. And so it seems almost a little bit impossible at times to find actually what is truth and what's reality. Many of people's reality is based on their interpretation of reality. But really, at the end of the day, we're trying to cut through all of that and find out what is truth. You know, we have a fast food mentality when it comes to life. Like our food, you know, on that drive up window, we want our food quick, easy, and handed to us. But too many Christians today have their faith handed to them. We want ser- someone to give us truth, which is easily understood, easily lived out, and easy to accept. Too many Christians come to worship or to a Bible study to listen to what someone else has to say about God. And we've actually become a bit lazy in our spirituality and in our faith, wanting someone just to hand us and tell us what our beliefs should be and accepting them at face value. But the reality is we actually have to dig into the word, study the word, find out what does the word of God actually say? Because if you have a pattern or a habit of just accepting someone else's interpretation of the word of God, it's often a recipe for you to fall into deception.
0: Wow. You know, this podcast really has come out of a study and a passage and a message God gave me out of Second Chronicles chapter 18, particularly verses 3 through 8, and it's really about two kings. And so, this thought of, of standing solo in a groupy world, how challenging is it for people mm. of the narrative of truth, of that is the eternal narrative, the meta narrative? How important is it that we stand solo in a groupy world? Well, anyway, there's a story of two kings. One king is compromised. His name is Jehoshaphat, and he, did, he had experienced riches and he had experienced some success. But in the midst of it, he kind of made a political move and he made an alliance with Ahab. So, here's Jehoshaphat. He is the king of Jerusalem. And and here is Ahab, the king of Israel. So they're both representing God's people. The kingdom had been split at this point. And all of a sudden, as this one compromised king joins himself to this king that was beyond compromise, he was at this point very secularized and not really serving the Lord. It's all in a political gain and what he could get. Uh, the, the thing came to him that he said, hey, I, I want to join up with you. And so let's get together. And so Ahab, he came to Joseph and said, hey, let's join forces because I've lost this land over here called Ramoth-Gilead. Let's join forces. And he said, will you go with me? And then King Jehoshaphat said, of course, you and I are as one and our troops as your troops, we will certainly join you in battle. Now, first of all, Jehoshaphat should not have agreed to that without seeking the Lord. He just all of of a sudden was caught up in kind of a politicized faith. And it just goes to show you when you mix too much politics with kingdom, you can get tainted and all of a sudden you can be vulnerable to wrong narratives coming your way. And King Ahab really was seduced by the world. And so it really represents a worldly alliance. So again, Jehoshaphat is the guy that is somewhat compromised, but he's got a good heart and Ahab has a bad heart. So here's what King Jehoshaphat says. He says, okay, but let's first hear from the Lord and hear what the Lord says. And so when he said that, King Ahab grabs 400 of his prophets. And when he grabs 400 of his prophets, they tell him one thing. And at this point in time is when this story unfolds. But let me just stop and take a step back. These two kings represent an interesting contrast. Ahab is a powerful but godless man who uses religion only when it benefits him. Mm -hmm. Jehoshaphat is a God fearing king who tried to serve the Lord, but caved into the peer pressure narrative of Ahab. So Ahab wanted Jehoshaphat to join him to take Ramoth Gilead. The plan sounded good, but Jehoshaphat wanted to hear from the Lord, but Ahab had another agenda. So here is the principle that I want to give you right now. Knowing what is truth is always important, but never more important than in an age drowning in fakeness like we have right now.
1: The <laughs> I tell you what, what you just said is really profound and truly really paints such an accurate picture of what we're seeing in today's society. So I just think it's such an incredible story about really talking about narratives and one person's, one's prophets is different than everyone else's. We have 400 prophets that are saying the same thing. They're all echoing one another. They're all repeating what each other are prophesying, quote unquote, and yet they're false prophets. We're going to call that an echo chamber. It's someone that's just echoing, echoing, echoing what they've heard someone else say, but they actually haven't taken time to hear what God has said. Be careful, be wise, use discernment, use discretion as to what you put God's name on it. Are you simply repeating and regurgitating what someone else around you has said? Or have you heard the Lord say that to you? And so Ahab kept a large crew of professional wannabe prophets handy to serve his religious needs. But just because, and I want you to catch this Keep 100 Tribe, just because 400 men were in agreement over something doesn't, that doesn't necessarily mean any of them were right and it proved that none of them were right. You know, that's a thing and that's a term that we actually call groupthink. And groupthink is the practice of thinking or making decisions as a group in a way that discourages individual responsibility. Now that is really powerful and we've seen that. We've actually seen that in recent years. Groupthink is actually a phenomenon that occurs when a group of well-intentioned people make irrational or non-optimal decisions spurred by the urge to conform or that the belief that dissent is impossible. The premature consensus is that a characteristic of the groupthink may be fueled by a particular agenda or it may be due to group members valuing agreement above critical thinking. Critical thinking is when you yourself are actually looking at all the facts and coming to what you believe is a right decision rather than being swayed by the opinion of those around you. Man,
0: isn't that true today?
1: Oh man, right? And so we really see this in the story that Sean just talked about because all these prophets are prophesying and they're saying go you know go to the go to Ramoth-gilead and triumph and the lord will give it to you in the hand of the king. Ahab heeds god's word it will save his life and the lives of many men. It's as though <laughs> they keep prophesying it will get better and better and better and basically Ahab you're going to come out the hero. You know, it was all fueling what his ego. Be wise when you're around prophetic people that are always feeding ego.
0: You know, it really is true and and the, the thing is, is this whole thing uh, of narratives is King Ahab is exerting such a force that these people are simply giving him what he wants to hear. And so, so often, I think, as Krista was talking about group think, that there's so many people that you go to places and what the majority of the people believe is what the majority believes. And what we need in this hour are people that are willing to go with God, break from the well-worn paths of what everyone is saying and everyone's trying to tell you. And you think about new ethics, new convictions uh, based on social behaviors and based on consensus and everything else, it is likened to these 400 prophets. And think about it. There's a lot of guys and they, it says they all replied, King, you go out to battle, you're going to win. But the truth be told, I'm going to kind of give a bit of a spoiler alert. The king is going to die. They're telling him you're going right. to live, you're going to do well, but he's going to die because their narrative wasn't based on truth. It was based on giving the king what he already wanted to hear.
1: And, you know, we have to really understand it's better to stand with truth than, than to be wrong with the multitude. That's really the lesson of the story, which of course, there's much more to it than that. But for what we're pulling away from today, you have to be willing to be the one that opposes the 400.
0: And there was this prophet Micaiah. And so it's funny because what happened is Jehoshaphat says, is there a prophet of the Lord? It's so funny that right? the 400 prophets had said, hey, go out king, you're going to beat up these guys. You're going to get Ramoth Gilead back. And the first thing that the king that was had a good heart, but he's making bad decisions, he says, is there a prophet of the Lord. So he began to discern, this is what you got to do. You got to discern what's the heart of the information coming at you because yeah. you're getting so much information thrown at you every single day. And just because it comes out and it becomes a popular trend on Twitter, just because your favorite hip hop artist is rapping it, or just because they're talking about it on the music award show or whatever, it doesn't matter how many people are saying it at the end of the day, you got to be a prophet of the Lord. Are you hearing from God? In other words, do you have the true narrative because there are true, there's a truth narrative and they're false narratives. And so this guy, Micaiah, who's a prophet, he's in prison. So imagine, like, if you're going to stand for the right narrative, you got to understand it's probably going to be some persecution. People are going to try to lock you down because the devil's threatened by truth. Mm -hmm. And Micaiah's name means several things. It means who is like Yahweh. So that is the question. Who's going to represent God right now? Yeah, so
1: good. You're
0: going to represent your, are you a a man or woman of your culture or you're a man or woman of the kingdom? You got to make up your mind. And when you become a man or woman of your culture, then all of a sudden you start sliding you know, the standard of God's word and you're doing whatever it takes to fit in. You're changing what the Bible says to allow everyone. So you're just part of the 400. But his name also means son of circumcision. And I just want to take a minute and say, you know, praise God, I was circumcised as a baby. All right. I just want to tell you that. But <laughs> <laughs> but uh, in the in the Old Testament, many times, some of these guys were were circumcised at a later point in life. But oh, as painful as it is, it really symbolizes a setting apart. And So you got to have a circumcised heart. You have to have circumcised ears. You have to have circumcised eyes. And Micaiah, who na- whose name means son of circumcision, he knew who he was. And if you know who you are and what you stand for, it is the building block of bravery. So Micaiah's in prison. And so one of the guys is sent to go get him out of prison as a prophet. And they say, hey hey, the king wants you to prophesy to him. But by the way, here's what the other 400 people said to the king. uh, You need to speak blessing on him. So notice this, a narrative hits him before he's able to prophesy truth. And isn't that the battle? The narrative, the enemy makes sure that narrative, the popular false narrative hits your ears. So the choice will always be, are you going to prophesy literally the party line, what everybody's accepted, which is basically a false narrative? Are you going to speak truth? And so he comes out in front of the king and at first he kind of sarcastic, but eventually he says this. He said, I had a vision. And in this vision, he's at the throne. And he said, I saw a deceiving spirit go and fill the mouths of the false prophet. So think about it. We're not just talking about fake news, y'all. We're talking about a deceiving spirit that has an agenda to hijack truth, your destiny, and ultimately your soul. And so think about how scary that is that he saw a deceiving spirit go into people. So you got to discern. Folks, it's not just giving you information. There's a spirit behind that. And if you don't understand. That spirit behind it, you're going to be in a difficult position, and ultimately it could could mean destruction. That's what happened to King Ahab. So the question is, who are you allowing to shape your narrative? At that point, Micaiah had to make a decision. And the secret of a powerfully blessed life that finishes well is who has your ear. Who has your ear? It's not what you like to hear. It's not what you wish to hear. It's not that the truth may sound good. That no, the truth is good for you. The majority is not necessarily right, and to have a majority doesn't necessarily make you right. What makes you right is. You have the right spirit, the Holy Spirit speaking into your ear.
1: My goodness, that will preach. That was so good. And you know what's crazy is as you continue to read this story, you discover that these political man-pleasing so-called prophets had a leader. And this man's name was Zedekiah. And what we we discover about him is really telling. He actually had this, and this guy had iron horns like a bull, and he would literally poke and prod people. And it's such a picture of that bowling spirit. You know, something's trying to bully you, force you into being the echo. Forcing you to repeat the narrative, the false narrative that's around you. Don't let the messengers of Ahab intimidate you into the followership of really being bullied to become an echo chamber and to be one that just continues to repeat this false narrative that is bullying around you. You know, isn't it funny how lies are always pushy and falsehoods often come at you forcefully, but truth comes in with a piece, right? Truth doesn't bully you, it doesn't push you around, but you can really discern what's a lie how pushy it is. You almost feel harassed by a lie.
0: You know, it's so true. I think in, you know, modern entertainment today, you see agendas and I think there are two sides. You know, I think what's coming to this generation obviously is you define who you are and who you want to be. You can define your sexuality. So we have gender bending, we have gender fluidity. And then on the other side, you know, you can sense a religious spirit trying to bully you by shaming you right. shaming you. And so I think there are two extremes. And one extreme is the confusion narrative that you're going to end up at the end of the day being happy, you know, having customized truth, which is a false narrative. There's a bullhorn in that. But then there's also this thing is trying to push you with horns away from the true love and grace of Jesus Christ that you should be ashamed and, man, God doesn't love you. He's not pleased with you. And you've sinned in a way that you will never be able to be forgiven. And, and those things simply aren't true. And it's just at the end of the day, it is a Ahab, a messenger of Ahab sent to intimidate you to follow Ahab and to keep you from going in the way of Jesus.
1: You know, What's really interesting is Zedekiah, just back to the story real quick, because I think this is really powerful. Zedekiah's name means the Lord is just, but he was such a bully and he lived in such a place of injustice of what he released, right? It just goes to show that, you know, you and I can be marked for the right thing, but become an instrument for the wrong thing. Wow. My goodness. Right. Come on, boo. Because he was named to bring the justice of the Lord. But out of deception and really that man-pleasing spirit that was so rooted in him, he became the instrument of deception you and really brought people, injustice.
0: You think about how many people probably have the call of God on their life right? and anointed in Hollywood or, or wherever, or circles or motivational speakers or car salesmen or whoever, but they're actually, although they're marked for the right thing, they become an instrument for the wrong thing. And probably the Zedekiah dude that headed up the 400 yes-man false narrative prophets, he probably had political ambitions and his own ambitiousness and agenda made him subservient to giving the king what he wanted to hear, and he just became a yes man. And I I think what a tragedy to just become a yes man to a false narrative.
1: You know, And we are really bombarded with so much false narrative, people's opinion, and really just having to be so intentional about defining and discovering what truth is, which obviously we know is based in the word of God. But we have to recognize that on any given day, we're constantly left inflamed by whatever grievances the internet's actually exposed us to. Yep. There's this endless conveyor belt of content that's constantly coming at us, putting, do you know this This is powerful, putting more things on our radar in one day than people in a, a century ago would encounter in a full year. Great, I, great. I, I want I want our tribe to catch this. We're getting more information in one day thrown at us than a century ago people would receive that much information in a, in a year. So, you know, we're talking about, there's things we've never even heard of, like issues we didn't even know that existed. Today, information landscape is constantly bombarding us with grievances and trivialities we didn't go looking for, but nonetheless we're getting sucked into. And it dignifies irrelevance and amplifies mindlessness. We have to understand that we are constantly being barded to be a parrot to a false narrative when more than ever we need the Micaiahs to rise up and speak the truth regardless of what the majority is saying is truth at this time. Oh
0: my god this, you're dropping bombs over Ooh. there. You know, living in truth are going to require some things from you. Yes, and, they and, are. And, you know, we're living in a cancel culture. So that's kind of like a narrative in and of itself. And to cancel truth is to conceal freedom, because the Bible says you should know the truth and the truth to set you free. I just want to drop this principle. And this principle, and I, I hope that everyone listening, you would really take this to heart, is that you have to value truth over your tribe. You got to choose the truth over your tribe. People who seek the truth rather than the comfort of a team or tribe. Are those who will make history? Think about those four hundred uh, yes men. They kept choosing tribe over truth, and yet here's Micaiah. He gets pulled out of prison. He chooses truth over a tribe. Isn't it funny? We don't know the names of any of the four hundred dudes that was in false prophets because Facts. yes men don't stand out in history. But we know Micaiah's name. It's in the Bible. I mean, hey, if you need a name for your son, just give him the name Micaiah because that's a, a incredible <laughs> dude. That boy right? is bad, right? In a, in a lethal against the devil sense. But people that Seek truth around the comfort of the tribe. You think about if that characterizes anyone, in other words, let me say it again truth over tribe. I just want you to say it with me truth over tribe. If that characterizes anyone in the world, it should be followers of Christ. But that's only going to happen if we give up our comfortable attachments to narratives, whether cultural, political, personal. Because I believe that the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is positioned to be one of the clearer, clearest defenders of reality in a world of narratives. And that's what the Micaiah mandate is, is that he was going to defend reality. And in order to do it, you got to have a foundation of truth. That's scripture. You have to have the truth that liberates. That's the person of Jesus. And there's only one entirely true narrative. And you may say, I'm narrow-minded for saying it. You can say whatever you want, but at the end of the day, (laughs) that's what Jesus said. There's only true. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The narrative that doesn't just spin reality, but it is a narrative that establishes a criteria for evaluating truth and a lens for illuminating it. Of Mm. course, we're pointing to the word of God. So So understand, God-made, God-glorifying reality is so much more satisfying than self-made, self-serving narratives. Your life is not yours if you constantly care about what others think.
1: Ooh my goodness, that is so good. And true. Your life is not yours if you constantly care what others think because you are held hostage to their opinions. Mm. And we're going to break some hostages out. We want you as the Keep It 100 tribe to get some freedom in your life. You cannot be and should not and do not allow yourself to be held hostage by other people's opinions or their false narratives. You and I's response to truth sets us up to not only benefit from what God's offering, but it continues to position our hearts to receive more. You know, we really tend to pick and choose whom we're going to listen to. And we usually choose people, right, who tell us what we want to hear. Sometimes we can be a bit of an Ahab if we're not careful, but we are not always right. And we can't only listen to what we want to hear. This is really important if you want to walk in truth. But there is another extremely important truth here. We must be careful who we're listening to. We have to be willing to look different if we want to be someone that stands for truth. We have to be willing to allow people to disagree with us if you want to stand for truth, which will require you to have a spiritual grit and a time where many people do not have a spiritual backbone this is the time for you to tap into your resiliency and your spiritual grit in a time where there is such a pressure to conform to the majority's narrative I want you to know God is raising up a remnant of Mac- Micaiah's that are going to stand and speak truth regardless if the 400 are speaking different
0: you know here's the end of the story Ahab listens to the 400 false narrative spokespeople and he goes out to battle and as he's going out to battle he's he actually tries to disguise himself, but the Bible says a random arrow finds it right in between his shoulder blades and he pulls himself over to the side of the battle and he props himself up. He asks his guy to prop him up so people can't see he's bleeding out the back. He just wanted to make it look like he's doing good in the front. And I think it's not what false narratives do. They're just propped up in front of us to make it look like it's alive and vibrant and leading the charge, but he's bleeding out the back. And Makai, to be truthful, we're told he's put back in prison. We don't have this super story about what happened to him. But think about an eternity, because remember the guy had a picture of the council of heaven. There was a council on earth, the earthly one that had two kings in royal robes and 400 yes men churning out human predictions. But Micaiah had a picture of the other council, a glimpse of the heavenly council with a sovereign king determining the outcomes of the battle and the fate of Ahab. And he chose to put his hands and his life uh, rather in the hands of a God. And so God's gift for you is you got to have a love for truth. And this is, so important because what Ahab said of Micaiah is, I hate him. Because at the end of the day, if you hate truth, mm. you're going to be bleeding out the back and propped up under the false narrative. Okay, Keep It 100 Tribe, as always, and as promised, we have the Keep It 100 takeaways. In this episode, we're talking about three keys to discerning truth versus false narratives. And the first key is you have to know what truth is. Now imagine Ahab listened to 400 false narrative spokesmen and it did him no good. It only brought confusion so so he's going out thinking he's going to be okay in battle but in fact uh, he's going to be a casualty so how do we know what advice to advice to receive here's the bottom line advice that agrees with the principle in God's word is reliable God's word is our standard of truth not what i think not what you think not how we feel not what the majority opinion holds truth is that which conforms to a standard you know you think about a building contractor uses tools that ensure ensure that the building is true it's called a plumb line And so truth is, in fact, a plumb line. And at the end of the day, truth is a person. Truth is a person. It's Jesus. But at the end of the day, it's not enough to know about truth. You have to act upon truth, obey truth. And the Bible is very clear about that, is that even the devil knows the truth, but we know that he does not obey it. He twists it. He gives you half-truths, and that's what makes up a false narrative. So one of the keys, and it's so important concerning truth, is you got to discover what truth really is.
1: The second key to discerning truth versus false narratives is understanding the purpose of alarms. So I got some questions for you. Should we get rid of smoke alarms because they have such a bothersome piercing sound? No. Should we eliminate the yellow lights on the dashboard in our car that tell us when our engine's overheating because they're so disturbing when they go on? Or should we remove those red blinking lights on the tops of radio towers because it restricts the options of airplane pilots so when they're flying at night? Of course not. Alarms actually alert you to danger. Alarms actually give you warnings that something isn't right. So listening to the leading of the Lord, allow the alarm in the spirit, allow the alarm of the Holy Spirit to speak to you that if you're sensing a check, that lack of peace, a caution within you, don't dismiss your spiritual instinct. Pay attention to the alarm that the Lord has put within you. Allowing people, and this is another safeguard when we're talking about allowing the alarms. Sometimes you and I might have a blind spot. God will put people in our lives that become like an alarm, sounding an alarm when something is not right, or they maybe see us going down a path or making decisions that aren't maybe walking in truth and that we are becoming a bit deceived in an area. God will allow people in our lives whose voice that you can trust to speak into your life, they actually create safeguards to help eliminate the blind spots in our lives. That's the alarm system. That's the spiritual alarm system that you want activated in your life.
0: I think there's such a truth to that because at the end of the day, you You've got to make room for the chaos in your life. Notice he was in prison. You need to take it out. Maybe truth has been on lockdown in your life. You need to unlock truth in you. And that is so important what you're talking about. So
1: good. And the third and final key to discerning truth versus false narrative is know God's narrative. Come on. Mm. That's everything we're talking about summed up in one statement. Today we're talking about, we really want to bring this home for the Keep It 100 tribe, knowing God's narrative. You know, the real danger of narratives is, is that they easily become substitutes for facts when wow. narratives are substituted for facts those individuals that have become caught up in a narrative tend to den- tend to deny what they are hearing because it doesn't fit their narrative but here's the truth about truth truth corrects our thinking truth isn't what always feels good and truth isn't whatever you just want it to be hence that illustration at the very beginning when Sean talked about there's a 5 nine white guy claiming to be a six-65 Chinese woman you know truth isn't just you saying this is truth there is is facts and truth. It's called the word of God and it's irrevocable and it's unchangeable. So we have to understand truth isn't often what the majority believes, especially in a society that has really turned their backs on what the word of God, which is the ultimate truth. So you have to understand you're going to be a bit of a McKay in this season of our lives. And in this time in our society, we have to understand more than ever, the importance of your personal relationship with the Lord. You have to know what is God saying to you? What's he saying through his word in his word, because we have to understand it's one thing to have a fascination about the truth, but it's a whole other thing to swear allegiance to it.
0: Hey, Keep It 100, tribe, remember this, truth makes a difficult requirement of you, and you have to have a yes in your heart to truth, and if you're able to do that, let me tell you what, you are going to change the world, and that's what you're called to do. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Keep It 100 podcast. Make sure to rate, review, and refer us to your friends, and be sure to click that subscribe button so that you're alerted as soon as new episodes drop. Help us get the word out. Share this link on your social media platforms and check us out at SeanAndKristaSmith.com. You can also find us on Facebook at Ministries. We would love to hear from you on how this podcast has impacted you. So be sure to show us some love. Hey, also, you don't want to miss our next episode as we're going to continue this conversation of Caught Up in the Narrative. We're going to have a special surprise guest and we're going to be talking ongoing on this subject in ways that are going to build you up. And remember, relief may change your circumstance, but a revelation, will change you. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Keep It 100 podcast with Sean and Krista Smith. Keep up with us on Facebook and Instagram and at seanandkristasmith.com where you can discover more resources. If this podcast has impacted you, please subscribe and review wherever you listen to your podcast. Keep